It's Untitled Film Project Podcast Time. It's Renfield, the story of the long-suffering human servant of Dracula who comes to the realization that he's in a codependent, toxic relationship with his boss and tries to break free. I work for Dracula. What? Dracula. Count Dracula. I'm his familiar. I, I, you know, I tend to his needs, including care, feeding, uh, you know, anything, especially during the daylight hours. Like you get Dracula people to eat? I do other stuff, too. Not only are we talking about Nicolas Cage's newest movie, but we're also going to answer the big question. And that big question is, some actors and actresses just go all out and are over the top, Nick Cage being one of them. And they, they get a pass more often than not nowadays. Mm-hmm. What is an actor actress, who's an actor actress that you feel like gets that free pass to be completely over the top? All right. I like it. The 10,000th Dracula story told on film, but the first one, as far as I know, with Nicolas Cage. Probably one of the greatest casting attempts, and did it pay off? Let's get some initial takes on Renfield. Let's start with Jeremy K. Gover. This is everything Cocaine Bear should have been. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. This movie is exactly what Cocaine Bear should have been. It was so fun and funny and creative deaths and just over-the-top ridiculous gruesomeness for no reason, just because. (laughs) And the comedy was there on top of all that. Like It was part of the comedy, of course, but... You know, when they dismember somebody, you know, it's all part of the comedy. But the lines were funny. Right. This is another telltale sign that a movie's doing really well. You know, the preview they usually put out, they kind of they kind of tell you what the funny moments are. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, you just ruined that for me. Like, okay, I want to go see it now, but I you kind of ruined it. So when the actual moment gets there, you're like, okay, I can see this coming. Yep, saw that in the trailer. They were still funny. Yes. And matter I would actually argue that they were funnier because of the context of the film when right. he's when he says uh you know he's in the meeting and he goes uh he's like yes yes why but why would you say it like that like that's really weird like in the trailer i'm like okay i mean you know it's kind of funny just because he's effeminate and it's kind of a weird delivery and then in the film it's just it's the i mean it's laugh line. out loud fun yeah, yeah. it's it, it works and that is to me the potent dose of true comedy when i know it's coming I don't know where in the movie, of course, but I know it's coming. I've seen the line before. I've seen the scene before, and it still hits me. So Renfeld is everything Cocaine Bear should have been. I loved it. Excellent. Justin Bradford, first take, Renfield. Gover said so much of it right there, but why I loved this so much is because it understood its campiness, embraced it, ran with it, ran through the wall with it. Amen. Amen. And yes. the comedic timing was fantastic. Even during action and fight sequences, yes. there was fantastic comedic timing. I mean, Nicholas Holt was incredible in his role as Renfield. I mean, he, we, we've seen him in so many other movies to where he has yeah. to play superhero or things like that. There's balance. His comedic timing and physical comedy was fantastic in this. And the way he partnered with Aquafina... Yeah was very, very well done. And I feel like what's great about Aquafina's character, she wasn't over the top with it. She was a toned-down Aquafina, which I liked more in this because she was able to deliver these little liners that delivered yes. better because she wasn't going over the top Aquafina. She was playing a 
the perfect straight man yes. to either Nicholas Holt or Nicholas Cage. And it made it more hilarious. And it was great. It made it yeah. that much more hilarious. And then when I first, I did not know Ben Schwartz was in this movie. <laughs> and then it turns out that he is one of the henchmen villains in this. I busted out laughing. Uh, Brandon Scott Jones, who does such a fantastic job in Ghosts on CBS, seeing him as the, the therapy leader in this group leader was fantastic as well. There, I, I thought the casting was great in this. I laughed so much. It was great being a part of a crowd that was pretty pretty close to sold out in there because everyone's kind of feeding off each other's laughter. Mm-hmm. Nick Cage wouldn't have to say anything on screen and people would be laughing. That's true. In a great way. They're not laughing at him. They're laughing at his ability to go full Nick Cage. And, and that's exactly it. what we signed up for. It is. You know? It is. Because we didn't know. When we saw the first initial trailer in the theaters, we're like, okay, what's this? There's some comedy, Dracula. And all of a sudden, you see Nick Cage. I'm like, oh, oh I'm so in, baby. I was like, the opposite, <laughs> though. I oh, saw man. Nick Cage be like, Dracula. You know, oh, whatever. The t- and I was like, oh, man. The, like, this it's could be funny bad. because it's Nick Cage, but it's more of a, uh, I wasn't. I didn't know they would actually take this tact with it. I was it. so in. So I was so happy when they made it. Just They turned it on itself. and They oh, it was, they had it was, fun with this movie, and it's they short. Did. They didn't draw it out. Yep. So the yep. pacing, I think, was great with this overall. 92 minutes is the runtime. It's a, it's a, to wrap Thank it all up in my initial take, it is a really fun night out type of movie. Go with your friends. Yes. Get some popcorn and enjoy this 92-minute hilarious, hilarious, gory horror film. That is just a perfect thing. If you don't like horror, but you like a little bit of the scariness of it, which is me, and I know Gover as well, this is a fun night out with your friends because you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh out loud. Not even just to, (laughs) there are moments when I'm literally laughing out loud in this movie, sitting right next to Gover watching, and I could not control it. It made me actually laugh out loud. I loved it. I was was the same way, and I really think that dark comedy and gore can go together beautifully. And they did this really so well. Nick Cage being the most Nick Cage he can be playing Dracula was exactly what I didn't know I needed before I knew this movie was coming out. I mean, the casting across the board, I think, was fantastic. He tears it up as Dracula in the most over-the-top, Nick Cagiest performance a Nick Cage could cage. I just like I, that's exactly what I wanted, and he did it better than what I thought he could do. Yes, uh, you know I, I I really love the focus being on Renfield and the self help group about codependency. I thought that was a great take. It was one of those things that I thought, oh, this could be a one note song, okay? But as they use this throughout the movie to propel the movie forward and to express things that have never been said in Mm -hmm. a Dracula movie, it was hilarious. And it was just used to perfection. Uh, You know, I just thought that whole take of, you know, having a toxic codependent relationship, which (laughs) is Dracula and Renfield, uh, to be able to put that in a movie, uh, humanized it, made it funny, relatable how do you make dracula relatable you do what they did <laughs> and i also uh i was chuckling non-stop i mean the audience just we ate it up everything they served us we were eating it 
let's sink our fangs deeper into Renfield. Oh, I, you know, who could? I, I'm sorry. It's like a, you, you have to say <laughs> it. No jury would convict me <laughs> for saying that. Well, we, but they'd all roll their eyes at you, though. <laughs> yes, they would. <laughs> uh, I, Nicholas Holt, I, I gained a whole new respect for, like you said, his comedic timing and his ability to make us laugh without being a comedic character. I have to talk about Nicolas Cage, and I think the scene that I was waiting for that satisfied me so much, because I love Nicolas Cage ironically and unironically, he can do some pretty good acting, and he's also super Nicolas Cage, (laughs) right? And I enjoy that too, when he's so over the top and cartoonish, being himself, playing a caricature of himself, which he's already done in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, that, you know, I can love it both at the same time. I thought they came through. There's a kitchen scene in Renfield's apartment where he's <laughs> he's trying to break free from the world of Dracula and living in the darkness, and he's in this, like, brightly beautiful, super-colored apartment, and... Uh, Waiting for him is Dracula because he's totally onto him, knowing that he's trying to break free and he has double crossed him. He has not done his job as the familiar to bring him fresh blood and victims. And that's when Nicolas Cage gave, I thought, the greatest monologue to him across the kitchen table that was just so like gripping, funny yet just a little bit terrifying. So he was giving me all those parts of Nicolas Cage that I love, and he turns it back like a typical narcissist gaslighter. He turns it back on Renfield and says, like, you think I'm the problem? This is all on you. You chose to leave your family. You chose to do all these things. And and almost does it with, like, Oh, Run feels like, yeah, I mean, he has a point. Like, he is gaslighting me, but he's not entirely wrong. Uh, that scene alone, worth the money. Loved it. And and it shows the power that Dracula has over Renfield because Renfield's trying to fight back with the book. He pulls mm-hmm. the book out, Dracula's like, what's this? He's like, <laughs>, laughs at it. He's going flipping through the book, trying to find the different ways to battle it. And he can't because he just cowers in the corner again. So it shows the power that he has over it. And I think the chemistry between those two, especially in that scene, Jim, they play off each other so, so well in terms of the relationship that they're trying to embody. Absolutely. Uh, I think some of the Dracula movies, you know, there's been way too many of them. But some of the ones I think that have been most enjoyable to me have been the ones that focus on the familiar, the the human who must serve Dracula. And if you watch, you know, either the, the foreign or the American version of Let the Right One In, uh, which is just like a whole new take on all right, now you don't have a, a Dracula movie where you just have a monster or you don't have somebody who's like just a, a Dracula killer. You actually have somebody who's living between both worlds. And it's just, I think, something that's finally starting to get explored with uh, some, some movies. And this movie did it in a hilariously funny way, but also had a little humanity to it. And with the bits, and that's one of those things too, is the commitment to the bit and so many different bits as well. One of understanding Dracula rules yeah. and how they went with that that must be invited in that type of thing. And they played with that a little bit. And even near the end with the powder, oh, it could be any powder. I mean, there's <laughs> right. all these little rules they played with and had fun with that in movies that would take itself too seriously 
it wouldn't be funny at all. It's like, oh, those are the rules. You can't break the rules. They had fun with all their bits that they continue to go yeah. back to, they and I enjoyed it. Like following the rules of that universe, funny. Yes. Yeah, loved it. Yes, and like Gover said earlier, especially with him being invited into the therapy session. Yeah, come everything. on, come yeah. on, and no! we saw that in the trailer. We start digging just just on the brief surface of this of who is in creative control of this movie director. Chris McKay, and you look at some of the things he's worked on, Lego Batman, Robot Chicken's the one that stands out. Well, Lego Batman's hilarious. It It is. is. It is a great movie. But Robot Chicken stands out even more because of the type of comedy that it is and the Mm -hmm. self-awareness of it. That's the most similar for sure. Yes. And then you look at Robert Kirkman, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, Robot Chicken. (laughs) Right. And then you have Ryan Ridley, Rick and Morty. (laughs) He's written for them, written for Community. Like, you had writers that understand horror and comedy and you just mesh them together you breeded them yeah. <laughs> into making this movie and, but that yeah. can be dangerous it, it can be you can it get oil well. and vinegar there and then they don't agree and then it's a nightmare right clearly it was just fine instead we yeah. got a great soup yes <laughs> <laughs> mm, good soup mm. Uh, this movie also has another movie almost kind of layered on top of it with it's a mob movie. They've wedged it into the Dracula story. Mm-hmm. Some people had a problem with that. I didn't. I thought, well, who on earth could relate to Dracula and like him? A mob family. Of course we'll take your superpowers and serve you because we're also going to get in, in charge of even more of the world, not just New Orleans. And Aquafina, man, she has carved out uh, like a perfect niche. Like you said, she was backed off a little bit on this movie in this movie because I think she allowed everybody else to have like the comedic moments. Yet she still like provided some comedy, set up lines for everybody else. I really enjoyed her performance. Casting was so good. I love Shang Chi, and I loved her in that. Mm-hmm. But this is a more muted Aquafina. Yes, she still had great lines. She was still funny, but it wasn't a caricature of herself. And on top of that, this character had heart, and I think that was the impo- the the most important ingredient to liking her character. Because when she came on screen, you know, she's in the trailer. Okay, fine. Yeah. But w- when she's in this and comes on screen, I'm like, okay. And then she quickly got equity with me because it wasn't what I expected it to be, which is a over the top. How Nicolas Cage played his character. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Overall, Aquafina's Rebecca was the grounded character. Yes. She was, she, she was she the was. base. She was the foundation. Yes. Which made it more enjoyable for her character as the setup with those little bits of funny lines because it fit in and she worked off of Nicholas Holtz Renfield quite well because she was the grounded character. So she becomes the relatable character for the audience, right? Because there's chaos all around yeah. her and she's the grounded one. She just wants justice for her dad. Yeah. And she gives like a complete confidence to Renfield in he's already thinking about trying to get out of this toxic relationship. But he sees her courage as his inspiration to actually do it. So, like, her standing up to the mob in the restaurant and Renfield watching her courage in the face of that danger totally turns the movie and gives credibility to his actually wanting to do something about this Mm -hmm. that he hasn't done for 100 years. (laughs) I bought it. Renfield bought it. 
and it was a it was a just a really good performance. And sticking with the buying it things, what I appreciated was how they weren't trying to throw us with the cops in this film being on the gang the, the gangster side the villains the we knew all along on the take they were they, 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 we knew all along they're on the take they're correct like they completely addressed it right off the bat instead of a twist there was no twisty twist we right. knew what it was so we knew it was all of them except for aquafina basically i like that they did that instead of like oh we're gonna have a twist of who's on the take no we knew it's the chief we knew right all along everybody's take. on the take so it was just a little minor appreciation for like let's just not try to add another bucket of surprise to it let's just go and roll with it and i appreciated that right there okay it's time to score renfield with nicholas cage nicholas holt and a cast of so many people that we just love what did you think jeremy gover nicholas cage is incredible in this he's an incredible He's incredible. I was trying to make two words in one. <laughs> He's incredible at caricaturizing himself. That's what I was trying to say. It's a mouthful. He was great. Uh, I thought all the performances were good, including Aquafina. And again, I hate to single her out again, but I just again, I thought she's more like a one-trick pony to me. I could be wrong, but she she comes across to me as like, okay, she's gonna be over the top. She's gonna be you know comedy driven. She's not gonna have a whole lot of range. And she was surprising in this. She had heart. I thought she played the character perfectly. She was great. Uh, again, this is everything Cocaine Bear should have been, 7.5. Not bad. That's really high for Gover. Yeah. I really That's enjoyed really it, you guys. High. I thought it was really, really great. Well done. I, the, the only real criticism I had, and this again, this is nitpicky, okay, which if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know I bring at least one of these to the table every time. You are the nitpicker. It, this is a union shop. No one else is allowed to nitpick. Who's getting an apartment without pay stubs? Okay, so how much is Dracula paying, and what payroll service is he using for Renfield? Because he goes and gets an apartment, they make this big scene out of it, he gives him, the landlord gives him a key. I'm like, what? who is he paying for that? How is he paying? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he just reached into the pocket of one of his victims. There's and cash. The, and there was cash. And I think, and it. especially if you look at the, the set of that apartment, I think the landlord's just going to take it. It's money. They're going to take it. I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> I've been apartment shopping many times in my life, and every time it's I need two pay stubs, and, and I need a reference, yeah, all this stuff. And he just, it just, just gets the key to the apartment, no big deal. But were you looking at something that would be considered below average apartment style living? Well below average? No, I can't say I was. Okay. So if you offered- I've been blessed and privileged enough in my life to not have- That's, I'm glad you acknowledge that, because this one, he had to do all that- Remember, there was a paint montage in this movie. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And the key did have one of those old hotel diamonds. Yeah. So So I think he just said, here's $3,000 cash, don't ask any questions. All right, fair enough. (laughs) Exactly. Wow, I I talked him down. Who would like to go next and score Renfield? Well, it's either you or Bradford. (laughs) Choices, choices, Are you asking yourself? I'll pick. Bradford, you go. Okay. Thank you. I loved it. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> Sitting in this audience, enjoying this film with everyone else, enjoying the campiness of Nick Cage was something that just brought a tear to my eye, a happy tear to my eye, because I love how Nick Cage has evolved now from barreling away to massive talent to this, to his brief series on Netflix on the history of curse words, mm-hmm. that he is fully embracing himself and what society and pop culture views him as. I mean, it even goes back to Into the Spider-Verse when he's playing Spider-Man Noir and he's doing the Nick Cage voice. And the rumor is that they didn't like the original one and they 
want him to go more Nick Cage, and he responds with, you want the full Nick Cage? You're going to get the full Nick Cage. <laughs> and that's the voice they use for Spider-Man Noir. <laughs> so I enjoy that he's getting these roles that allows him to be himself while still acting very well. Like, he, he gets to go above, and like, we're going to answer in our big question, he gets to go above and beyond the campiness but we know because it's Nick Cage and we accept that because that's what we're enjoying about it. That's why people are going to see this. If you're going to see this, you know what you're getting with Nick Cage. And if you don't like it, that's fine because that means you don't enjoy the campiness that Nick Cage brings. I think the three of us overall knew what we were getting ourselves into. I did not. Really? You did not. Even in the trailer when he does ah, that, you didn't think you thought it was going to be more serious? No, or? not more serious, but I just thought there, he's not going to go full Oh man, I fully like, expected you know, that. Lean in that I, hard. I was salivating, hoping he would. Yes, well, I was one hundred percent thinking that. I so, guess I was cautiously pessimistic. I suppose. Well, I, th- I think you might be in a little bit in the minority in thinking that. No, just, sure, I'm just, just saying because, like, th- now especially that more people are seeing it because it had the sneak previews, reviews are coming out. What I'm seeing, even on like the Rotten Tomatoes, because I always bring it up, is the people that didn't like it didn't expect that Nick Cage, or they just don't like that part of Nick Cage. That's okay. And that's fine. That's totally fine. People have different senses of humor, though. Totally do. Right? Like, some people like yeah. dry, that British dry sense 100%, of humor. 100%, yeah. Other people are like, I don't get it. So, these yeah. it may, people that don't, you know, it may not be they're expecting it. It may be more that that's just not their humor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, that's why it's interesting how, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 60 and 61 right now. That's too bad. That movie's awesome. Yeah, so, and it's because <laughs> I think... You have that segment of people they just don't they don't care for it, and that's one hundred percent okay. Yep. They're not dumb or anything like that. It's not their thing. I wanted the full Nick Cage experience, and I one hundred percent got that. Plenty of laughs, as Gover mentioned very early on, and especially movies like this, like A Violent Night or Cocaine Bear. You're looking for new, creative ways for people to, to, for villains to be killed, <laughs> and yeah. if they delivered multiple times in this, an arm went through a person. Yeah. <laughs> Which like was, a javelin. Like a javelin was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the ways they were creative with this, and then just the ridiculous amount of blood. I yeah. loved that campiness of how over the top it was because so funny. I don't enjoy horror where it's so uber realistic. Yes. I don't enjoy that type. I like this where it's comedic horror. I can handle that because my brain can separate out, oh, this is totally action, fantasy, horror, sure. and comedy, and not something like, oh, that, that could really happen. That's yeah. why I enjoy this type of horror. That's why I enjoyed Megan right. so much. Some of the, the ridiculousness factor really hypes it up for me. So I'm glad I'm being more open to these types of movie experiences now. And yeah. thank you, Nick Cage and Nicholas Holt and Aquafina for <laughs> providing that to me. So with that, I also give it a 7.5. Mm, very nice. We're in agreement, and that's scary. Jimmy, what do you have? It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> I, uh, of course, went into this movie uh, with very high expectations and hoping that they didn't blow it. I do not think they blew it. I think they hit it out of the park. Uh, I think every casting decision... Every writing decision uh, was done to perfection. It was exactly how you execute a Nicolas Cage movie as Dracula. And it brought new things to the table. The comedy, there wasn't a joke that fell flat with me in the entire movie. The gore, just like you, maybe if that was done a little more realistically and less comedically, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I would have liked it as much. But I also gave it the same pass that I gave maybe John Wick, Chapter 4, for ridiculous ways of people getting, you know, meeting their end. 
Uh, I love Shora Agdashlu. If that's not obvious, like there's just something about her. She's like the female Nick Cage for me in this movie. I really thought that they took something that could have been so tired and so bad. They put the right people in it. They just pulled off, I think, a beautiful movie. It reminded me a little bit of a little-known Keen Peele movie called Keanu, mm-hmm. uh, which has got some similar humor. It's also dealing with the mob and people that you know aren't used to being around the mob. So, uh, but it was just done so much better and such at a higher scale and level of professionalism. And I am going to give Renfield an eight. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And now to the big question, which pairs so very well with this, is you have an actor or actress such as Nick Cage that is so over the top that we accept it and overall we enjoy it. What other actor or actress do you think fits into this category and we fully accept and embrace their over the topness? My suggestion on this is Jim uh, is going to be pre-trial. I'm going to say it's Johnny Depp. That people want the over the top Johnny Depp will give him a blank check until uh, this is all pre, uh, you know, trial and all that kind of stuff where things got a little murky uh, and about his personal life that you know people were not very happy with and understandably, but I think up to that point you can look at the Pirates movies where he went full Johnny Depp. And that's exactly what everybody wanted. So I think it's a, a pretty good comparison between Nicolas Cage and what we expect from Johnny Depp. I don't know if we're going to get that anymore, but uh, for at least a decade or more, people were, give me as much Johnny Depp as you can give me. <laughs> Jeremy Gover, who fits this category for you? I think it's going to have to be Keanu Reeves. Because uh, yeah. John- Over the top, I go in under the top? Yeah, well, because, you know, in John Wick, he barely has any lines. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah. And what was it, three, 380 words? Yes, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, it's absurd. But Some of them were just. Well. And a lot of it is because, you know, he he's known as a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of range. Even even Neo in The Matrix, mm-hmm. he's, he's very, he's the lead, obviously, but he's a sideline dialogue guy. He's not, he doesn't really carry the weight most right. of the time. People talk to him, and he kind of responds like, "Whoa!" I mean, like the, just all of the, you know, yeah. And I and yeah, that's. But I love most of his movies, and it's, he's never going to win a Best Actor award. But I, he has settled into that, and um, at least to my perspective, he's accepted that he is this caricature. Of pe- what people have made him out to be, which is this one, not a one trick pony per se, but just, you know, he's an action star and he does a lot of good action movies with good or great action sequences and they're fun, but he's still like, yeah, it's just not a whole lot of depth there. <laughs> right. So I think, I think, I think Keanu Reeves is my answer. I, I could change I, it by the end of this segment, but I, right, I like that though. First blush. I, just like Justin said, but we talked about being over the top. Being under the top, I like that the fact that yeah. you found somebody who was doing the same thing, but just with the volume turned down, like way to like one. Yes. Yeah. Really. <laughs> I think you mean. Yeah. 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 If you're a if you're an actor who 
thinks who takes things too seriously, you're not reading that line. It's yeah. insulting. Right. Instead, he's like, no, I, I get it. Let's do it. This is perfect for me. Yes, exactly. So yes, Keanu Reeves, Bradford. Okay. So this was this was kind of difficult for me because I'm trying to think of the over the topness because there there are some actors that fit that category in certain types of roles that they'll play, and then there's certain actors that just stand out because the major, overall majority of their films were based on being over the top, improvisation, things like that. I think of like a Jack Nicholson in a lot of his films, yeah. or an Al Pacino in his films, where he's just the, the way his voice delivers and carries so many things and the ah, mm-hmm. type of thing, like Al Pacino, but. I'm going to go and take a different angle here, and it's someone that's no longer with us anymore. And I'll say Robin Williams. Perfect. Oh, example. that's a great. That's a great yeah. answer. Yeah, because you think in terms of so many of his roles, whether it was voice acting, which we got plenty of, or his other roles where he's even in his roles where he's trying to be serious. A lot of times, there's still an over the topness to him. Like even in Dead Poet Society, there's yeah. still that air about him that it's over the top. But I love it so much. And he was so good at what he did, and he represented himself so well. And in so many different ways, he was over the top because he was giving so many options to these editors and directors to use in his films. But And over the top is not a bad thing whatsoever. It's just that he was bigger than life and could just attract your eyes to the screen and your ears to listen to what was going on in the movie. And to me, that's over the top, that he was able to – he had a gravity about him that you were just attracted to watch what he was in, especially in his comedic roles. And so that's why I feel like Robin Williams fits this mantra in a very, very positive light because of the type of actor that he is. You've been listening to the Untitled Film Project Podcast. I am Jim Chandler along with Justin Bradford and Jeremy K. Gover. Yeah. And our social media expert is Justin Bradford. And this is the point where we all look and stare at him to help push people to where they can find us. How about you tell everybody where individually they can find us? Ooh, twist. Look, if you just go to a social medium and you type an Untitled Film Project, you're going to find us. And if you can't, I'm so sorry about you. You are one of those people that just like... Hey, could you, did you know if we have www.facebook.com slash untitled film project podcast? He said www. Oh my God. He said individually. And you said that. If you go to the World Wide Web, you're such an elitist. uh, You you two are ones to talk about. Can you get there through AOL? I don't know. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.